You're listening to A Step Forward, episode 25. Welcome to A Step Forward, a podcast for orientation and mobility specialists. I'm your host, Cassie Maloney. Orientation and mobility specialists are changing the way that people with visual impairments view themselves, view their world, and are able to travel in the most independent way possible. Join me every week for simple how-to strategies and inspiring conversations that will help you get from where you are to where you want to be. If you're ready, we're about to rock and roll. Let's take a step forward. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I'm so glad that you are here. Tell me about the weather because here in Austin, It is so beautiful. It's like 80 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit at the high, which is not really pool weather, but you can be outside all day in shorts or pants, long sleeve shirt or short sleeve shirt and be perfectly fine. This is my favorite time of the year right now. Not only is the weather getting better and better, but it's also that time of year that right after spring break, you start to see all of your student skills just blossom. And it is so fantastic. And then after that, after April, into May, into June, and we're all kind of dragging like, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over? I need another break. And there was not one in sight. So this time of year, I love to relish it and soak it all in. In today's conversation, we are talking about the types of adaptive mobility devices and how to know which type is right for your students. We all know the different types of adaptive mobility devices, but sometimes we question which one is best for my student right now. So we're going to dive into that. Hopefully this is one of those episodes where you can take some notes or you can use this information and put it into actual work. And if you do that, please feel free to tag me on social media. I would love to hear and see what you are using from the podcast and how it's actually impacting your life. Okay, so for the first part, we're going to talk about what is an AMD. Adaptive mobility devices are defined by the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired as specifically designed devices to provide environmental preview information to people who cannot use a long cane. Now, if you look in TAPS, the newest version, part three, where it talks about adaptive mobility devices, You'll notice that Gene Healy was the one to write that whole section, and he actually mentioned the same thing, that adaptive mobility devices are meant for people who can't use a long cane. That kind of goes along with my perspective as well. I like to offer a long cane first, and then if that doesn't work, then try something else. Whether or not an adaptive mobility device comes first, with a long cane or how you want to use that and how you want to do that. That's up to you and your team. But according to TSBVI and according to myself, I like to offer a long cane first. Granted, we're all friends here, right? I haven't worked with young, young, young babies. So for those ones, they might be using what are called 
anticipators. Now, anticipators are like those grocery carts that are really small, that are just toys that the student kind of pushes in front of them, or maybe it has that like bubble popping machine, or maybe it's a toy lawnmower, something like that, that's like infant to toddler size and designed for that age group. So today we're not talking about those. We're just going to be talking about AMDs. I like to break the idea of AMDs into three separate categories. You have the simulators. Those are the ones that are like maybe a PVC square or a small hula hoop that you walk with your student and you hold the AMD and they hold onto the AMD and you are basically guiding them, but you have a little bit of a separation. It's kind of the same concept as a PVC rectangle that you would use in a Juno walk with a student who's getting ready to work with a guide dog. It's the same concept, just maybe a little bit of a different shape possibly, but it still has you involved as the teacher or somebody else involved as the teacher and the person who has vision, who is seeing and walking, basically guiding the student. So that's one type, simulators. And then the second type is a full PVC. Now, there's so many different actual types that you can use and you can do with these. There's like the wheeler, there's the Connecticut kind. You can put hula hoops instead of PVC pipes. The basic premise here, no matter which one you go for in that spectrum, is that it is a long rectangle. And whether it has some part that juts out in front of it or not, it's basically a long rectangle that has either wheels or larger PVC on the bottom to help it roll. And then the person holds onto the top. Or the person might hold on to maybe the sides of it, but still long rectangle. Then the third variation that we're going to talk about today is the PVC slash cane combination. These, you can find a whole bunch of them in part three of TSPVI's TAPS section, but that's where you combine PVC pipe or hula hoop and a cane. These are more like a hybrid of some sort of your AMD and a cane. So in that moment, right, when you are thinking about what kind of AMD does my student need, there are a couple of considerations that you want to make. And I'm going to actually give my take on it. And it's not going to be the same as you find in books. This is more of like, we're sitting down for coffee or happy hour. And I'm just going to tell you my thoughts because you're listening to my podcast. And we're going to have kind of a conversation in that way, more than, you know, what you would find in a typical conversation, like when you're just reading a book, which obviously isn't a conversation. So I don't even know why I said that. So the first thing I take into consideration is the same thing I take into consideration before I make any move with a student. And I think about what is my goal with this? If you are changing the way that your student interacts with the world, which is how they walk and how they travel, what is the purpose of it? Are they going from not interacting with the world, not moving, to getting them up and moving? Or are you realizing, oh, the cane isn't working for them at all. I need to step down. So you want to take that into consideration when you think about which one am I going to start with? Because you want to go for the adaptive mobility device that is the least restrictive. Now, I'm probably going to piss some people off here, but I'm going to say it anyway. There is a pecking order 
of restrictive to not restrictive when you're talking about canes and AMDs. Let's just go from most restrictive up to least restrictive. In the exact order that I presented these, which is the simulator, is going to be the most restrictive. You're not able to give your student the most independence with that way. Now, maybe it's the most that they can handle, but it's not the most in general, specifically because somebody has to be there. They have to be guiding the student. That person with the vision, the person guiding the simulator is the one who's ultimately making the decisions about, am I turning left or am I turning right? Now you can ask your student and I encourage you to do that, but they are ultimately in control. Then the next least restrictive, if we're taking one step up, is the full PVC kind. Now this does offer more as far as environmental protection. We'll get into pros and cons of each kind in a second, but it is more restrictive. Because if you think about it, when you're going upstairs or you're going downstairs, you're getting on an escalator, you are going through a revolving door or the student is sitting at a desk, who usually is holding onto that cane at that moment or the AMD? It's typically not the student. And then a step up from that are the cane slash AMD combinations. And those are least restrictive out of the AMDs simply because the student has the most amount of control and responsibility with that type of AMD. That student can potentially store their cane still. It can be attached to a folding cane. They can carry it when they go up the stairs or down the stairs, potentially. They can hold on to it when they go through a revolving door. They can be the one responsible for it when they go through the lunch line, on an escalator, places like that, where the other types of canes, usually the paraprofessional, the parent, or the teacher holds on to it at that point. And the more that it looks like a cane, the more socially appropriate for their age, like chronological age, it typically is. So you have that aspect as well. Okay, let's go through each of the types of AMDs, and we'll talk about which type is good for which type of student or what situation you might be looking at. And then we'll also talk about the cons of each type. So that way, by the end of this podcast episode, you will have a good understanding of what could work for your student possibly and what obstacles you could potentially be coming up against if you do choose that type. So the first time again was the simulator. So those are the square PVC, they're handheld or they're small hula hoops or something like that. These are good for kids with ambulatory and balance issues. They're good for kids who run, kids who can't be trusted to walk by themselves, but you want to give them some independence. And so these are the kids that you would typically go supported guide technique, you know, where you have their hand in the crust of your elbow and then you kind of hold on to it so that they don't run. This might be a good option for those students. This might also be a good option for students who you basically would need to, like they could walk, but they have a situation where it makes them really dizzy or like they medically can't fall. Either they have brittle bones I've had a student who had sickle cell and we really needed to be really careful with them. Or maybe they have like very detached retinas and they absolutely cannot fall, but 
you want to give them some independence. So, you know, maybe those students who like physically could walk, but they have a health condition that makes the impact of any falls or anything like that a little bit scarier and a little bit more of a health hazard, but you want to be able to give them some sort of independence, this is a good option for them. However, on the cons side of things, it's also the most restrictive. And so if you can possibly use this type of AMD for the least amount of time possible, that will allow them to be the most independent as possible in their lives in general. The other thing is you always need somebody with them. And I don't know where you work, but there's been very few places where I've worked that there's just like an abundance of teachers and paraprofessionals. So this might be really great for a type of student who already has a paraprofessional, but if that student doesn't, then just know that there has to be somebody on the other side of the simulator in order for them to walk because they're not going to be able to do it by themselves. So if it's a student who's like in a group of 30 students, you'll want to pair them with the teacher or the paraprofessional in order to walk with them, which then that might have its own social implications that you'll have to take into consideration. Typically, this type of AMD is used with students who have multiple impairments, so they're not necessarily held to the same social skills and social standards as other populations. However, they do still have social skills that need to be met. And if you're thinking about having like a 13-year-old boy with something like this, and he has the desire need to talk to his friends and doesn't want a teacher around, that's also just something to take into consideration. The second kind is a full PVC. Now this kind is a really good for students who have balance issues. Again, maybe they have cerebral palsy. Students who refuse to use a cane, this might be really good for them. You know, even if you have well, let's just say if you had cane and you offered the student a big rollerball tip and it just picked up too much information. I know I have that tactile sensitivity with rollerball tips. I cannot, I cannot even with them because it's just too much tactile information for me. And so if that kind of situation didn't work for them, then this situation might be better. Also for students who can't bring their hands to midline, if you have students who have lesions in the middle of their brain and they have a hard time bringing their hand to midline to keep a cane in front of them, this might be a really good idea for them. This is also a really good one for students with multiple impairments who are too old for those toy anticipators. (laughs) You don't want to be giving a 13-year-old student a little toy because it's just not going to look socially appropriate, but they could handle something like this. It's also really good for students for their first foray into walking. Again, when they're older, if you know that a regular cane isn't going to work and you're going from they haven't been walking at all or they haven't been walking on their own to they're walking or, you know, maybe they physically can walk, but they've been just so scared or maybe they are missing a lot of information in the environment. And for whatever reason, they're not doing very well with a cane then this could be an option for them. This is also a good option for students who need two hands to push a cane because with the other AMD or with a regular cane, they may not have that option. So if they need two hands like in front of them, if they have a hard time moving one hand and not the other, 
or just having one hand do something, then this could be a good option for them. If they also are the type of student who need to propel themselves forward, like with their torso and their upper body, then this could be a good option for them. The good thing about these kinds of canes is that they're pretty easy to make. They also are sold on Ambutech. I believe MaxiAids also sells them. So your district might want you to do something like this. I've heard of districts recently not wanting handmade canes or handmade AMDs out in the world just for liability purposes. And if that's your district's policy, then this could be a good option for your student. The cons about it though, it's big, it's bulky. There's really no way of getting around it. I have a hard time fitting big canes like this into my SUV. And so if you have a student whose parents have a two-door coupe kind of car, it's going to be hard for them to take it everywhere you want them to go with it. Take that into consideration. It's also not handled at all times by the student just because it is so big and bulky. It's hard to maneuver it and hold your tray at the same time. Or I'm talking about like in the lunch line. It can be hard to go up and down stairs with it because your student will probably want to have one hand on the railing. And then you have to take into consideration what is happening in those moments. What support does my student have? And another con is that they're kind of easy to break. I mean, they're made of PVC. It's not metal, so they can be easy to break. I have noticed that the hula hoop ones are less easy to break just because there's so much bend in them. But those also have their own pros and cons that you'll just want to weigh out and think about what materials do I want in this. One thing that can be good with this kind of cane, though, is because it is hollow, you can put like weights on the bottom and make it a little heavier where that might be harder to do with a cane or with the cane slash PVC pipe style of AMDs. And the last con that I'll say is that oftentimes I see students try to lean on it and then they fall over. So that might be just like a natural consequence. You do it a couple times and you stop doing that, but it is something that happens. Okay, you guys, we are on to our third and final time. In door number three, we have the part cane, part AMD. Who is it good for? This is a really good cane that's great for students who are learning how to bring their hands to midline or for students who have a hard time keeping their arm in front of their body. Sometimes by anchoring it with the other hand, it works really well. And then you still have the wrist motion, the correct wrist motion for moving your cane. Whereas I forgot to mention this, but one of the cons of the whole PVC canes is that a lot of times little students will hold it at the top, the T, and they don't get that wrist motion. And their wrist motions, the motor development of their wrist motions can be impaired, which makes it harder as a teenager or an adult to get the arc for their cane that they need. So this part cane, part AMD, is also really good for students who need like two hands of power to move their cane. You know, you know the students who like their cane always ends up closer towards the side of their body that the cane hand is on. And they just need like, they need some more oomph. So you can get that oomph by making the movement move not just in the wrist, but also in the arms and bringing those hands together. Bringing your hands together also, anytime you bring your appendages closer to your body, you're just stronger as it is. 
So that can help with those. It's also really good for students who have used a PVC cane before, like a full PVC, and it's time to move them up, but you're not sure if they're ready for a regular cane. I had a student in my first year who has autism. I just assume he still does, but this was 10 years ago, so he's in his mid-20s now. And we moved him up from a full PVC, and the teacher at that time wanted him to stay closer to the full PVC, but I thought he was ready for very close to a cane. So we ended up going with my route and it turned out to be the best thing for him because for this reason, he needed time to adapt. And it was better in one year time for him to adapt to one new change rather than two. And then that way he got caught up. He was moving his cane better. He had more independence and he didn't have to transition too many times because with our students who have autism, that's something that you want to take into consideration. When you mix PVC and a regular cane together, a couple really cool things can happen. For one, it can increase the coverage of their art simply by bringing the other hand into the situation. It can also give them a sense of freedom because it decreases the teacher's prompts if the cane arc is then in front of their body. Now, if the cane continues to be towards the side of their body where the cane was before, that's a different story. But it can promote more independence, which is the purpose of these AMDs. But some of the cons can be that it's hard to know where to go after this. It's hard to know if you should go from this AMD style cane to a regular cane, or if you should stay with this one for a while. Also, if in the event that they do break, they're harder to fix and they're more expensive because you might have just adapted an actual cane and maybe put screws into it or something like that. And you can't just pass that cane on to the next student. So sometimes that's something that you have to take into consideration. And then the other thing is, it's still an adaptive mobility device. And for these students, it's still a little bit bigger. It's still a little bit clunkier than having a regular cane. So while any of these adaptive mobility devices can be great in their own right, they also have their cons that go along with it, just like everything in the world does. And it's important for us to take this information into consideration when we are making these suggestions to the team. But how do you know for sure that this is the right move? Also, how do you know when it's time to move on? Because these kinds of canes can be given to a student for a year, two years, for a long time. But if the ultimate goal is a standardized long cane, when do you move on? And to that, I mean, we get this question all the time. When do I move on? When do I know that it's the right decision? How can I be sure? And here's the thing, my friend. You got into a profession where just about every decision you make is going to be subjective. You have to listen to your gut. You have to trust your professional judgment. And you have to just follow your own ethics. And then take data because you aren't always gonna know for sure. For example, we've had a student at one of the schools I worked at before who had an AMD and 
the O&M specialist thought, oh, great. Like she is ready to move on. She's been doing great with this. It was just that AMD was the student's first foray into traveling on her own. Like just taking on the identity of someone as someone who travels by themselves and doesn't hold on to someone's hand. But she put the cane in the student's hand and the student wanted nothing to do with it. And so then she started, her behavior started escalating. And so the O&M specialist said, okay, not yet, not right now. She waited a couple months and then tried it again. And the student had some behaviors for just a little bit. And then it did really well with the new cane. So you're going to have to test and you're going to have to see exactly what works for your students. Because in these types of situations, you are creating an adaptive mobility device because a long cane isn't the best option for your student. So you have to figure out what is going to work and how much can I test this for? I would say if you have an IEP meeting coming up and you're questioning it, see if you can make your AMD, test it with your student, gather some data, and then take it to the team if that's allowed, if it's not part of a full assessment part. So that way you guys as a team can work together to make these decisions. It might be that the mom or the dad says, oh, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. I can help you with ABC. Or it might be that they don't want to do it and you need data to back yourself up. Either way, it's always good to have data to back up everything that you're going to say. And it's always good to allow yourself the time to think about these things, make a decision, get the team on board, and really roll with it. And ultimately, you're going to just have to see what happens. So I hope that you like that. I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram at Cassie Maloney or Facebook, Allied Independence. I'm on LinkedIn too. I have no idea how to find my name there. So just find me or somebody knows how to do that, do that. Come slide into my DMs. Let's have a conversation. Let me know what you think. And I will talk to you soon. I hope that you can take this information, use it in a way that helps you take a step forward.